Welcome back to the Daily Thunder Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Woods. I'm here, as always, with Daily Thunder beat writer, Brandon Rabar. Brandon, how are you? I'm good, man. I am good. We uh, are in the thick of Thunder season now. Three games in. Three games in. Oklahoma City started the year off with a loss at Minnesota. And then a loss at Denver. And then a loss at home, a home opener to the Timberwolves. So Timberwolves twice. I feel like that's a team that's kind of had Oklahoma City's number in a big way the last couple of years. Um, not sure what the what it is about that matchup, but Minnesota tends to blow the doors off. Uh, these two these two games in the last few days were a little closer, um, but. Something to watch because that's a divisional opponent. We see them a lot, but Minnesota the last couple of years, it feels like they they tend to boat race uh, this team. They're obviously teams in very different places, but uh, also a loss in there to Denver on the road. That one felt – I don't know about you. I, that one felt very winnable uh, there down the stretch. We're going to talk about all of them, uh, but what are your uh, overall takeaways from – the first uh, first few days of the regular season. So, first of all, I think that the reason that the Timberwolves kind of have had the Thunder's number lately is just because they had Andrew Wiggins. Now that they don't have Wiggins anymore, I don't think the Thunder <laughs> really have as much to worry about them going forward. I actually thought that these games were much easier, even though they have like four all-star level players now. Uh, they didn't have Wiggins, so I felt like the Thunder <laughs> might steal those games. Uh, no. That Denver game was was, I, I think both of those first two games were really impressive showings from the Thunder because look, both of those teams, whether we like to believe it or not, they fancied themselves as title contenders, and the fans of those teams fancied themselves title contenders. Those were both the home openers for both of those teams, and so those fans, you know, felt like they're watching a title team and they're just kind of automatically checking win in the box because, you know, the Oklahoma City Wimbanyanas are coming through town. And so they just assume that they're going to get a team that's going to roll over. But if you've been watching this Oklahoma City Thunder team over the past few years, while, yes, they've been, I'll say, I shouldn't say few, I should say last two years, because um, this is just year three of a rebuild, two years and three games now. You know that this team is competitive, that they fight no matter how big a deficit they get into, they're going to claw their way back in. And that's what they did those first two games, really the third game too. But uh, the Thunder were, you know, without Shea Gilgis Alexander and then without Josh Kitty for the last quarter and a half. Uh, but those first two games, both of them were one or two possession games pretty much the entire fourth quarter and could have gone either way, really. And I think it just goes to show, you know, the talent of SGA and Josh Giddy because those two guys led uh, the team against those teams. And, you know, the all-in approach to this team and with Martin Dagnold and his schemes and effort and energy and IQ and hustle and all those kind of things that the Thunder are being built upon now. Um, let's go to Let's go to Dort. Uh, we've seen a lot of Dort over the last three games, specifically from behind the three-point line. 
and it hasn't been pretty. Um, are you, are you like just a temperature check for you, for Lou Dort? Yeah, Lou is Lou. Like I, I'm not, it's such a small sample size, whereas we have a much bigger sample size from the previous two years. And he settled in as around a 34% shooter from three point range. And, you know, he'll have streaks where he'll go five or seven in a game or he'll go one or seven in a game. I think that he'll eventually settle into that, you know, 34%. I would say, you know, ideally the ball's not going to be at his hands as much. Now that kind of changed with SGA out last game. But, you know, when everybody's healthy and you have SGA, Josh Giddy, and J-Dub, and then, you know, those three guys goes out. But when they're all healthy, Lou Dort's going to handle the ball more. It's going to be him and Trey Mann kind of running the show. So I think you kind of saw some of that. I'm not really worried about a shooting. I, I wish that he would take probably less of them and focus more on the corner threes because he's really effective there in the catch and shoot threes, but I'm not going to worry too much over a, a three game sample size. Uh, you know, his efficiency at the rim has improved each of the last couple of years and his three point shooting is kind of what it is, what it is now. The other things he's doing on the floor don't like, they don't, you know, they don't match what he's doing from behind the three point line. Like everything else he does, you, tend to be encouraged by like stuff in transition defensively, especially def- defense in transition. I like what he's doing. Um, he looks like the guy we've seen shots aren't falling. He's taking a lot of them. Like you're saying uh, some that he like, there are some that they, they find him kind of hot potato at the end of a shot clock. Can't really avoid those. Right. It's, it's tough to, it's tough to eat it at the end of the clock. Like you just have to put it up, but there are some early in the clock. You know, he's got a couple more, couple more passes in the circuit that he could make. Um, but he puts it up. So yeah, I'm with you. I'd like to see it go up a little less, um, but overall not too, too down on Dort. Um, I, I am kind of down on the shot, but everything else, um, everything else looks fine. Um, Injury wise, this team is kind of already already taking a bit of a hit. And that's with SGA. It was listed what a hip contusion, a hip. Uh, what was that? Yeah, a hip contusion. He landed hard on his hip Saturday night against the Nuggets, and he was a game time decision basically in the home opener versus the Wolves. Yeah, he warmed up pregame. Uh, ended up not playing. Now, what's interesting is he's listed us out already for the Clippers game on Tuesday night. By the time that you're listening to this, it'll probably be Tuesday. You know, those things can change sometimes. We've seen it where a guy's been listed out and then, you know, he feels better. Maybe SGA ends up playing. Uh, I don't think this is a, a tanking move. I think, you know, J-Dub looks like he went 12 rounds with Creed. Uh, I against the Clippers this early in the season. And I, I just don't think it's, I, I think he's legitimately hurt and the, or the being cautious. If it was like the playoffs game six or seven, would he play? Probably. Yeah, I'm sure. But you know, they're going to be cautious with the injuries. I'll say that, but I do think that they're all legitimate injuries for sure. And the other giddy giddy with a, an ankle sprain. Um, I doubt they, you know, it's another one they'll probably take their time with. Um, not sure the severity of it. I don't think we've heard them speak on 
Giddy's ankle yet. Um, maybe we probably hear from um, from Dagnall tomorrow, possibly on uh, on an update on him. But um, J Dub, it sounds like seven to ten days. That's from the time of the injury, so we may see him end of the week. Probably an update on him, and could be seeing masked J Dub, which could be fun. Yeah, uh, Giddy, I could visibly see he was hobbled in that third quarter. Like For when sure. it happened, when it happened, I was like, "Ah, oh, he's hurt." And he yeah. tried to play. He tried to play through it, but he was running so gingerly. Um, so that one's not a surprise at all. Yeah, J Dub. Uh, I think we're absolutely going to see Mass J Dub, and that's going to be kind of fun. And it's always fun, you know. The Thunder have a long history of Mass players, from yeah. Russell Westbrook to Deontay Burton to Lou Dort. And they all seem to kind of, you know, excel when they had the mask on. And so I'm excited to see J-Dub. You know, he's never missed a shot in his NBA career. <laughs> it's 100%. He's two for I, two. I so knew how you were great is he going to be with a mask? I knew so, you yeah, were going to mention that. <laughs> You've got to. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think that all of us are a little bit bummed right now. Like, if you look at the injuries as a whole, it's a huge bummer. Because if you were to pull, like, every Thunder fan and say, like, who are the top four players you're most excited to see this upcoming season? I would not be surprised if the top four vote getters were SGA, Chet Holmgren, Josh Giddy, and Jalen Williams. And those four are all out with injury right, right now. Right, Um I do – I will say uh, as far as positives go, I would start the positives category with, with Trey Mann. Yes. Um, he has, he's, he's doing all the things he did last year, uh, as far as like shot making shot creation, but it just looks so much better. Looks so much more in the flow of things. Uh, his defense, especially off ball, much better. Uh, the way he's moving around screens is a lot better. Um, he looks, I think credit to, the the weight he's put on the muscle he's put on it's really helping him on the defensive end uh, he's holding his own a lot better the handle is just outrageous his his ability to to create space is i mean it's incredible uh so that's that's all very exciting the shot they're not they're not going they're i mean he's making um he's making plenty but I think it could, it could go even higher. Like all the shots seem to be open. You know what I mean? He, he doesn't take a lot of contested looks based on how good he is at creating space. Uh, most of his shots would be deemed open. And I think that, that percentage hopefully, you know, is, is only going to go up. Yeah. What's exciting about Trey is this finishing at the rim. Like he's taken it to the rim quite a bit and he's finishing so well he's such a dual thread between driving and his three point shot. And you have to respect the drive. You know, the more successful he is at driving, the more you have to respect that. And then he's able to get that separation because you have to bite on the drive. And then he's got that step back. Like you said, he doesn't really take contested shots because he creates so much separation and space. I'm not worried about the shots dropping at all. I know that Trey man can shoot. I know he's a great shooter. Those are going to drop all the ones that he took against the uh, T wolves and the home opener were good looks. And, you know, two of those fall, his percentage looks much, much better. Uh, I'm very encouraged, though, by Trey Mann and the way he's playing. And, and you know, it just goes back to what Mark Dignalt said. He kind of singled him out as the guy that had the best summer. He said all of them had great summers, but 
but basically, especially Trey Mann. And I think we're seeing that both physically and then his style of play, his confidence, all those things. And once that shot starts dropping, you know, like it did in preseason, you know, obviously not, he's not going to shoot 55% from three, but if he's creeping up, you know, flirting with 40% from three and then driving like he's driving, I mean, he can be a really, really nice offensive punch for this Thunder team that needs another scoring threat besides Shea Gilchrist Alexander. Where else would you go positives? Yeah, I mean, this this sounds funny to say, uh, but right now I say Eugene Omaruri. <laughs> <laughs> Gene. Eugene, I mean, he's been – he's a two-way player, and everybody was so confused why the Thunder were signing in the middle of a rebuild, a 25-year-old bruiser. But I see it now. Like, you watch him play, I'm like, the dude can play. Like, he, yeah, he bangs down low. He's so he looks like a linebacker, but he can really, really play. Uh, you know, so that's possible. But I, I had to mention him. But if I were to choose like another real positive, you know, like looking towards the future and and all those things, uh, Ushman Jang, honestly, really impressed with how he's played so far. The numbers don't pop as far as scoring goes, but if you watch his defense, if you watch the way he's playing, if you watch, uh, you know, the rebounds, the block shots the playmaking and his, his offensive numbers aren't popping just because he's not really taking that many shots, but his mechanics his shooting for like all the, he looks the part. He's so we've talked about this in our chat. We cannot get over how fluid he is at his mm-hmm. size. Mm-hmm. Like you, he doesn't look like he's as huge as he is because of the way he moves. And obviously I'm not comparing to Victor Wimbanyana, but, but the, thing that makes Victor Wimbanyana so freaky deaky is being seven four and to be able to move like he moves. Well, Usman Jang is a legitimate six ten. He might be six ten and a half, and he moves like a guard too. Like he, he should not be moving the way he moves. I'm just really impressed. I, I think that we all thought, oh, you know, Raw Project going to take a couple years, and yeah, he's he's nowhere where he's going to be or where he needs to be. But I think he's much much further along and less raw than everybody thought he was coming in couple block shots last night and then like the the like his he he just seems to love playing with the ball like he's so comfortable as as a ball handler and taking it and going in transition he had a he had a, a play last night where he he takes a rebound and it turns into like this no look pass to Poku in the corner in transition the shot didn't fall but just a lot of stuff to be excited about with him. Like he, he's, uh, you know, he's still in his infant stage getting, getting comfortable out there. And I I think the sky's the limit. If he's already doing this type of stuff and willing to, and this is the kind of stuff that typically you would have to pry out of rookies, like especially rookies that didn't go like super high, you know, I mean, he, he did go in the lottery, but like this guy's like really, assertive and um and fluid like you're saying like the ball handling and transition his speed um he wants to get up and go and i know diagonal probably loves that uh from him from his size we've seen it with uh guys like Baisley uh in the past like they love guys at that at that size that can just take a rebound and take off with it um and he's he's fit that but i think there's potential for him to do like more things in those scenarios than guys we've seen in the past. He's so skilled and the shot does look like the, the mechanics 
they do look really good. Uh, even better than, than we saw in summer league. I was kind of down on his shot in summer league, but through the preseason up till now, it's, it's better than I remembered it uh, being in summer league. And it's more to what I thought it would be uh, pre-draft. Cause he, the stuff, you know, the, when you see him in workouts, it's just, um, it's automatic. So I'm very, very excited about him. And another, a good positive to mention because he, he's been, um, he's been really, really solid. The passing is, the passing is what I did not expect. And I guess that comes like right from his, from his, his background of being a guard before he hit his growth spurt. Yeah, he was a point guard. I mean, the, the Thunder have been scouting him since basically he was 13 years old as a guard and then he has this huge growth spurt and he's retained those guard skills yeah yeah and his guard moves but he's doing it in like a six ten and a half inch body it's it's exciting to see which one look regardless of what everyone thought of the pick whether he was a raw project or things like that the Cavs very much wanted to trade up to number 11 with the knicks to, to draft Ushman Jang and the Cavs have been, you know, nailing their drafts lately and they were in a bidding war with the Thunder. And then the Pelicans had Dyson Daniels not fallen. All the, all the Pelicans beat reporters and then some national reporters say that the Pelicans very much uh, were looking at drafting Ushman Jang at number eight. They're also a front office that has been very smart and savvy lately. So you got three front offices that all saw Ushman Jang as, as a guy that, they want to take anywhere between eight and 11. And I think you see why now, uh, you know, all the big question marks draft night from, you know, Stephen A. Smith and, and Spike Lee, like putting their hands in their, their faces in their hands. <laughs> and they thought the Knicks were drafting him, uh, you know, to, to the booze and things like that from Knicks fans. Look, there's a reason why all these front offices are so high on him. You just don't normally see those kind of skills and fluidity in that kind of, body like you just you just don't see it and and i think it's funny because he played in a real grown man league and played really really well the second half of the season and it was playmaking shot making uh defense all those things that were seen but everybody still considered him like this raw project that was going to need years and and you look back and like well i mean he kind of dominated the second half of his nbl season why why do we think he was that raw like he is not poku raw when poku came in whatsoever i i will say i was i was we talked about it post draft like kind of thought he would be the guy that spent most of the year with the blue and it just i mean it doesn't feel like that anymore um you might i don't know how you feel but i it seems like this guy's going to be in the rotation for the foreseeable future well, right now, a third of the roster is hurt, so he's definitely going to be he's definitely going to be in the roster. But no, I I think that yeah, absolutely. I think that injuries are not full health with this roster or not. I think that Ushman Jang is going to be a regular in the rotation. Now, will he eventually maybe see some G League time just to get in some extra minutes? Because they did that with a lot of young guys over the last couple of years. Just hey, send him to the G League for a day, call him back up tonight. He might get some of that just so he gets more development minutes, but I think that he's going to have a, a real rotation role on this team throughout his whole rookie season. Saw a little bit of Jay Will last night um, and saw him out there with Isaiah Joe, former uh, college teammate. Like It's very interesting. These guys at the end of the bench, they're coming in, toward, um, they're coming in late second half. Um, are you more or less excited about Isaiah Joe? 
No, I I would rather have Isaiah Joe than any of the players that the Rockets sent to the Thunder in that trade. Sure. Uh, he's younger. He still does have some upside. He's a shooter. He's got, you know, potential defensively. Look, if you go and like look at Philadelphia 76ers blogs and, and beat reporters and things like that, they all really, really liked Isaiah Joe fans and the reporters like they think that he had a lot of potential and promise the 76ers just didn't have any room for him and they want to win right now so they're not going to give many minutes to a, a 23 year old prospect uh but he's perfect for the thunder and you know he'll get minutes here and there do i think that he's eventually going to become like a core player or anything like that no but he's worth you know a dice roll as your 15th guy rather than, you know, a 30 year old who's got zero future with this rebuilding team. Isaiah Joe at least has some NBA skills, definitely a shooting and the youth to, to take the dice roll on. Another positive I, I meant to mention earlier was just Giddy's, um he, He's just getting in the lane and getting by guys. The acceleration is there. Um, Obviously, we're going to have to see that come back after the ankle injury, but his ability to get to the rim, I, I've been very encouraged by uh, by through for, for the first three games. Yeah, that's something that I think every Thunder fan and reporter was hoping to see this season. And so far, we're seeing it. Obviously, the three-point shot is what everybody wants to see right. improve. And I think that will, you know, incrementally improve every season. I think he's going to become a better three-point shooter, but his finishing other, he needs to be able to score efficiently in some sort of way. Like his passing already elite tier rebounding for his position already, you know, up there. Very, very good. And his, his IQ his effort, all those things, but end of the day, he needs to be able to score efficiently as well. And I think that finishing at the rim is the way for him to do it as he improves his jump shot. And so, yeah, you've got to be encouraged with how much better he's taking it to the rim and finishing at the rim. It's it's really, really huge for his development. Starting, We've seen three starting lineups in three games. Um, do, you, do you think we'll see kind of a revolving door in the front court as the year goes on, or do you think they'll – are they are they feeling out a couple different guys to see who sticks or is this just going to be uh matchup based and who's got the hot hand at the at a certain time oh yeah it's going to be fluid all season i think there's only three guys that you can pencil in to be starters every night and that's obviously sga giddy and lou dort i think that the four and the five any given night it could be matchup based it could be hey who was better in practice this morning or, hey, you didn't play last game, you did. You know, it, it could be any number of those things. Or, hey, we just want to see how this lineup works, what the chemistry is like with the other three guys. I, I You know, Martin Dagnall said uh, a couple of weeks ago, while we were still in preseason, that the five position was going to be fluid all season long. He, he tipped his hat there already. And, well, he didn't tip his hat. He just straight out told us, you know, it's going to change every night and the starting lineup is going to change every night. But I think that we all assume that JRE was penciled in as a starter as well at the four slash five. And then the other four slash five would be, you know, different every night. But I think that now we can say that the four and the five, any given night could be any combo of JRE, Kenrich, Mascala, Baisley, Poku, uh, you know, just pick two names out of the hat. You might be right. Any given <laughs> night. Uh 
Dagno, he mentioned Poku straight out. Like he wanted him, to, he needed him to be more physical. Um, I, I've been mildly encouraged by by Poku, but I'm kind of cautiously optimistic. How do you feel? Yeah, you know, the first three quarters of the opener, he was really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I tweeted because it was true. Like statistically, I test all those things through three quarters. He was better that night than Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards. Uh, you know, he was the Thunder's best or second best to SGA player through three quarters as well. Now, those last two minutes of that game, you know, went downhill fast. You know, it's kind of the Poku experience. We saw the good, then we saw the bad those last couple minutes. But he's not used to being in that position, you know, crunch time, pressure, all those things on the road. And then, you know, game two, Mark Dagnall did say he wanted to be more physical. Game three kind of had ups and downs. He didn't really do too much. Didn't play that many minutes. But I think overall, if you look at Poku, the trajectory, the improvement, the weight gain, all those things, he's where you would want him to be. Is he better than he was year one? Absolutely. Like his court awareness, you know, his scoring efficiency, all those things I think are improving. It's such a small sample size. You can't really take what he's done so far this season. I don't think, I I think if you just look at him and watch him, you know, before he would get the ball and it would kind of feel like deer in headlights. He would just kind of auto shoot, you know, when you're playing gut pickup and there's those guys that not quite sure what to do with the ball. So they just kind of shoot it as a default. He's not like that anymore. He's usually making the right plays on offense. I, I think that you have to be satisfied with where Poku is right now. I don't know where the end game is with Poku, but I think that you have to be happy with this development so far. All right, we got the rest of the week. Uh, Clippers back-to-back games uh, tomorrow. I don't want to get this wrong. One second. Uh, yeah, tomorrow against the Clippers at home and then the Clippers at home again on Thursday. Uh, both are 7 a.m. local start or at 7 a.m. 7 p.m. local starts. That'd be an early start, Brandon. I don't think you're up that early. <laughs> no, that. I'd have to DVR those things. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then at Dallas on on Saturday. Um, again, the the tough the the difficult schedule to start. Uh, we're right in the brunt of it. Um, Clippers, Clippers, Mavericks this week, and then uh, November first. That is Orlando. That's next Tuesday. So you will hear. Uh, from us for over the over those next three games clippers clippers mavs next week then they play tuesday you'll you'll hear from us before that one uh orlando on tuesday nuggets on wednesday bucks on friday so uh next six very tough orlando you'd probably look at as a um you know as one that that could be a pretty competitive game especially with um with Paolo coming in, that's a, that's an interesting game. Oh, we did talk about that one in our, uh, I think it was our last show that, that uh, TNT probably wished they could flex out of that game. Well, they did. Uh, yeah. They, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, that game will no longer be on a national TV game. Um, you know, obviously Chad is the main reason that that game was, 
uh, was propped up by number one versus number two. But it is kind of a bummer, I will say, just from a, a big picture standpoint, that like the league should be marketing Paolo no matter what. Like that should be a featured game. He should be someone that they're pushing constantly. He's so good. Um, and in Oklahoma City has a player that's better in Shea. Like right. It, right. It is a it is a team that is young and talented. There's no reason that game still can't be on national TV, especially with the number one pick coming in. Yeah, no, absolutely. If you got Palo on on one side, as well as he's been playing, he's the number one pick, and then you got SJ and Josh Giddy, who, you know, he's he's an up and coming player as well. You can still market this as, you know, two young teams of the future squaring off, but you know, if they didn't have one and two, they weren't going to do it. Uh, it's a bummer, but they're a loss, well, right? We'll probably given, just have, they're, they're just going to play uh, another Lakers game. I was so about, I was just, I was just about to say, given how many times we're going to have to sit through Laker primetime <laughs> games this year, I, I, there's no reason that, that we couldn't still get magic thunder on TNT that night. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, it's funny uh, <laughs> when you uh, you look at like NBA social media and you know kind of all the talking heads and and things like that. You know, there's there's so much discourse about the Lakers, and it just goes back to you know it's that way because of the Lakers and because they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook, but you know. If you play a game that's got Paulo Bencaro on it, everybody's going to be talking about that that night as well. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you don't really need to watch this the Lakers discourse for another night when you can watch a, a hot up-and-coming player. L- like, whatever you play, people are going to talk about. I just don't get it. The Lakers audience isn't going anywhere. <laughs> like they're going right, to be watching right. no matter where you put the game. Um, I mean, I say that, but, like, if, if the, you know, if, like, Bleach Report or ESPN, like while Alex Caruso was a Laker, if they put out like anything that he did, it would get like 10,000, you know, <laughs> retweets or something like that. And then probably if you put Paolo, you know, the same thing, put out a tweet of him dunking, so I'd probably get like half that. So, you know, I guess I get it. I don't like it, but I guess I get it. All right. We'll wrap it there. Brandon, thank you very much. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, three games to cover, and uh, and we'll be watching. We'll be talking to you uh, in a week. Thank you very much. All right, man. Have a good night, Ryan. All right. Thunder fans, thanks so much. This is the Daily Thunder Podcast. If you like this podcast and other Daily Thunder content, please consider supporting us on our Patreon page. For just $5 a month, you get access to our morning roundups of Thunder news, notes, and commentary. It all gets sent to your email automatically, along with our jam-packed weekend edition newsletter that has exclusive and early release content. For $6 or more a month, you qualify for things like free t-shirts, mugs, hoodies, and special live event passes. For more information, visit patreon.com slash daily thunder. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for supporting Daily Thunder.